Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? Oh, you know, living the dream. I hurt my baby boy. Uh, I didn't get my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) He's just laying there. He's being a good boy, but I trimmed his nails too short. Poor baby. Just one nail. In other news, Pumpkin only got one paw trimmed um, because that was going horribly wrong. Oh. (laughs) I don't really trim Paco's nails. Pumpkin's nails get really long. Paco's, like they start like curling over and I need to like Paco's don't get that bad and he takes care of his nails all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's very vain. He's always filing them. Oh, okay. Painting them, getting pedicures and manicures. Oh wow, he sounds so bougie. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're here. We're doing things and stuff. This is the Marble Forest Podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amber. And Devin's here because I didn't get my new laptop because she's salty about it. Gonna heads are gonna roll. <laughs> um, yeah. So besides your laptop, we did Friendsgiving. Well, we did. Also, well, I don't know. Did you have a good time? Because I got a little too drunk. I had a good time, but I got there late. And by the time I got there, most of the food was gone. And like, what are you talking about? I've also been eating the food for like seven days. But like, most of the food that was I wanted to eat was gone. Oh, okay. So like, I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like, because I got there, I didn't even know I was going to be able to go because I worked my other job. But like, it was good. It was fun. I had a good time. I'm surprised we stayed as late as we did because I was so tired from working both jobs that day that I was like, I don't know, I'm probably not going to stay that long, but... Yeah, no, I'm really glad you did. Like, I really wanted to, like, just keep, like, partying after dinner and shit, and, like, Theo was being really good. He was being such a good boy. He is a good boy. But we're going to have a... Two New Year's parties, because I can't go to the first one. And we'll party so I am catering so to much. you, Amber. We'll party so much on second New Year's. On it's going to be New a Year's. fucking fun. Because apparently the idea is uh, a very popular theme this year. Oh, it's not. Um, Yeah, I get you. It's a very popular theme. We are also doing a Roaring Twenties New Year's party. And then we're doing it again for we're pretty much two. Amber. For me. <laughs> We're having the second New Year's party just as, like, a, we could just call it a Roaring Twenties party, too. Like, we're just having a party. Yeah, I think we said it was, like, the Roaring Twenties is New Year's, and then we were doing a Gatsby party. <laughs> yeah, like, totally behind it. I doubt as many people are going to come the second time, which is totally fine, but I really wanted like, to still have an excuse to Like, unless you, like, want to, like, party, like, come fucking party. Yeah, listeners, come party. Come party with us. No. All this of you. Isn't, this isn't an invite. For all of listeners. you, let's go, let's go party. Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> we will all meet at a McDonald's. The McDonald's of your choice. Meet us there. <laughs> oh, of their choice or my choice? Of their choice. Like they'll all meet at their we'll all pick a McDonald's and we'll just go to it at the same time. Oh. In different places. Sure. And then we'll, you know. Snapchat it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So we're recording. Oh my god, is this episode forty? Is it? I think this is episode (laughs) forty. Oh look, we did it or something. Oh, congratulations! We made it to forty. Yeah, and we currently have five six hours until this goes up onto the internet. This is you're in a fresh episode. You're getting like a such a fresh fresh episode. What is something in 
pop culture we could talk about. That's... Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Haven't watched it? Haven't watched it either. He's all over my Facebook. Exactly. That's all I know about it. <laughs> We're doing great. I did get Disney Plus, though. I do not have Disney Plus. I only got it because my mom got it. Because I was like, I don't know. I was a little salty. My mom got Disney Plus and was like, here's my logins. Don't listen, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm ready to dive into our stories. Let's dive on in. I think we're ready to jive. I'm ready to jive. We're going to jive on the Roaring Twenties New Year's party. I have a playlist picked out already to play throughout the house. Fuck yeah. It's literally just 20 swing music, but... Fucking love it. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. I'll even record the like New Year's drop ball drop for you oh and then we'll just replay it on the tv yes that's that's so sweet of you to do i love it okay because i'll be at a wedding okay and i don't i mean like i'm still gonna like have a fun at the wedding and drink and hang out but like is I it a roaring, roaring 20s wedding i don't think so is it so me? oh it's amber it's me oh wow wow change of pace I am going to talk to you today, Jesse. I brought you to this room today to discuss a really crazy business venture. Oh, okay. But really, actually. What am I buying that you will later take from me? Will you buy Anna Baker's wedding dress? Who's Anna Baker? That's what we're going to talk about today. Do you want to buy it? I don't Will it fit? Uh, probably not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm going to go with no. All right. Well, let's talk about it. Anyway, maybe I can convince you. Also, buying a wedding dress, being single would be so weird to future <laughs> boyfriends. Let's talk about that. I just have this, like, wedding dress in my closet that I bought. And they're like, yeah, so, like, when would you buy it? Like, were you engaged? I'm like, no, I just bought it because it sounded cute. But like, what, But what if it, those conversation went, I just bought it because it's haunted. <gasps> Ooh. I, I don't know why I didn't assume that. <laughs> I feel like I should have assumed that. <laughs> All right, so I found the story on a couple like different like haunted items list and I was like, let's let's see what's about. Okay. So in 1836, Elias Baker and his cousin Roland Dillard, Diller, sorry. So it's like a cool 1930s dress. I mean, I will show you a picture of the dress. It's not that cute. Oh, okay. Um they bought the Algany Furnace in Altoona, Blair County, Pennsylvania. Sure. So these these people, Elias and Roland, bought a furnace in nineteen or in eighteen thirty six. Like like a furnace for their house, like no, like a like outside business furnace uh, of giant like steel. Okay. Stuff. So the furnace ended up being really profitable because the area was located on rich iron de- deposits. Okay. So there, it's like steel stuff and works. Iron and energy metal and stuff. 4G. Didn't really look four, it up because so I didn't care so enough. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Oh, okay. That's why sure, it's Sure, that makes sense. I'm a scientist or something. So they take, so what they do is they get the <laughs> furnace stuff, <laughs> they get the ore, and then they turn it into products that you can use in your everyday life, Jesse. Oh, like my cell phone? Um, sure. Yeah, in the 1930s? They're, they're making you an iron cell phone in the 1930s. I bet there's iron in this. Probably. Not the whole thing. 
No, definitely not the whole thing. So, Elias Baker moved his family, which included his wife, Hetty, and sons, David and Sylvester. Ooh, Sylvester. From Does Lancaster like County. A cat? Yeah, he actually, spitting image of Sylvester from Sylvester and Tweety. Okay. Um, so they moved him from Lancaster County to Altoona to be closer to the furnace. And shortly after moving, Hetty gave birth to their first daughter, Anna. Now, there's like a couple weird things about this part, because it said in some versions, she get, just gave birth to Anna, and they already had like an older daughter. In other versions, it was saying that she also gave birth to two, she gave birth to two daughters at this time. But like, from what I've read in most accounts the second daughter margaretta died at the age of two okay so like i don't know if they were twins or if she was older or what but in the end they only really had the one daughter okay so some reports uh, i just told you all that without reading my notes so (laughs) proud of you in 1844 elias bought out his cousin's share of the furnace and then in 1845 construction built began on his home um, the Baker Mansion. He contracted Robert Carey Long Jr. and Baltimore. Just the whole... The whole city? The whole city of Baltimore, <laughs> <Okay>. apparently. <laughs> they were trained in building a massive Greek Revival-style mansion. Ooh. I have a picture of this mansion. It's at the end of my notes, so I'll show you at the end. Okay. But it looks like a pantheon. Oh. It's very weird looking. Oh. But it's kind of cool like i'll show you okay so the mansion cost fifteen thousand dollars oh i wish (laughs) (laughs) which in today's money is four hundred and fifty thousand dollars or four hundred and fifty seven thousand three hundred and fourteen dollars and fifty four cents oh you went all the way to cents for me yeah like real specific for you i wanted you to get down to the cents four hundred not million or thousand no four hundred and fifty seven thousand thousand okay and because like that's still not a bad house price right there it's a it's a how much is the house worth now i'm not sure it's a museum or is it like torn down (laughs) it's a museum okay so the mansion was completed in 1849 and it was filled with all the luxuries of the world Ooh, luxuries elias was a very proud man and he ruled his family with an iron fist because he was like you know what i work in a furnace i can make myself an iron fist i'm just gonna you know rule (laughs) myself (laughs) make an iron fist and i'm gonna put it on and i'm gonna rule my family all i think is like that spongebob episode with like the glove person i was just thinking of thanos oh okay like the big I was thinking iron fist. literally a whole fist that's hollowed out iron, and you're like waddling around in it. Ooh, that's cute. Yeah. Like from Glove World. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what Elias didn't know was that his daughter Anna, as she had grown older and reached an age where she could marry, she had fallen in love with one of his employees. Whoa! Scandals. The man. So, like, he didn't like his one of his employees. Like, he wasn't like a good guy. Like, well, we'll tell you. First of all, none make of him the a business partner or anything. None of the stories named this guy's name. So, what oh. do we want to name him? Charles. All right, Charles. Charles. It is. So, this man, 
Charles, affectionately known by as us. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> affectionately. <laughs> affectionately known by us as Charles. He was a steel worker. And a sexy steel worker. I bet he sat there with a shirt off, he probably had pounding rippling some muscles. steel. Oh, yeah. That's why she was in love with him. Yeah. All those rippling muscles and the heat and sweat. <laughs> I'm just going to turn this into erotica. It's fine. I love it. That's fine. Let's, okay. We're writing our own erotica. All right. That's this podcast. <laughs> so they had planned to marry in secret and they became engaged. Okay. They had even bought a wedding dress. Okay. Elias did not. Um, he did. He did discover about this. And did not approve. Oh. He forbid her from marrying him because he was from a lower income and social status. Hmm. Hmm. Some Romeo and Juliet This is really romance novel. Yeah. So, this led to the longest argument the two of them would ever have because Anna was Was very stubborn. Was it time? Do we know? Historically, we know how long this argument lasted for? Yes. (laughs) stopwatch go (laughs) um anna was very stubborn and she didn't care about the comforts of being rich she didn't want she doesn't know about the outside comforts of being poor she does not okay so she thinks that she doesn't need the comforts of being rich but charles was hot as fuck yeah with his shirtless rippling abs so she just wanted to marry the man she loved charles the sexy steel worker yeah so Anna's mother, Hetty, even tried to convince her husband to let Anna marry him. And Elias was like, no, I'm not going to listen to either my wife or my daughter, because why would I ever listen to a woman? <laughs> <laughs> that is some 1930s truth right there. I mean, this is 1830s. So oh, we're 18, 1830s? Yeah, we're 1830s? Oh, I thought we were in the 1930s. No, we're, we're ancient times. Oh, we are ancient. <laughs> <laughs> um... So no at, wonder why the house was so cheap. Yeah. At this point, Anna decided that if she couldn't marry the man she loved, she would remain single for the rest of her life, oh. which is some pettiness after my own heart. <laughs> Truth, though. But her father didn't give up, and he brought her suitor after suitor of men that he he was like, yeah, you can marry this person. You can. I approve of him. Look at his vast riches. Yeah. And she's like... Mm, and she denied them all. Thanks. She goes, can you... Maybe, like, she paraded them all without shirts and sprayed water on them and be like, show me your abs. <laughs> she tried to have, like, oh, like, who's the cl- next closest? Yeah. But none of them were, like, ripped. Yeah, like, I work... I have a labor... Laborer body. Yeah, everyone else was just kind of, like... Like, they had beer guts because yeah, they just drank all the or time. Scrawny. Yeah. So the dress that Anna had purchased for her wedding had once belonged to Elizabeth Bell, the daughter of Edward Bell, who was an ironmaster in the area. Um he was actually also the namesake of the neighboring town Bellwood. Oh neat. Elizabeth. He has a whole town and she's like, nah, bitch. Yep. Well, Elizabeth would mock Anna for never marrying and have the chance to wear a dress, her dress. Well, why would I even want to wear that dress anymore? Anyways. So then, by the time Anna's dad died, it was too late. The man Anna had fallen in love with had moved on, and she remained alone, angry, and bitter. Oh, 
Okay. Can't like go back to one of those rich men now and be like, sup. I mean, like, she's so petty though. Like, she's, she's like, like, this is extreme petty. It's one or nothing. Yeah. It's one or nothing. <laughs> so there was occasions though where the servants of the household would spot her wearing her wedding dress and dancing in the moonlight until she died in 1914 at the age of 78. Oh. So, like, every once in a while, she'd drink a little too much wine, and she put on her wedding dress and think of what if could have been. And she'd pretend she was dancing outside. Hashtag sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's widely known that the Baker Mansion is haunted. The county purchased the mansion in 1941 and turned it into a museum. Anna's wedding dress was put on display in what used to be her bedroom, and staff at the museum had noticed that the dress moving within the case. Oh, like she like sit, puts it on in the case, but she's like, man, I can't like move in here. Yeah, like I would think so. And then like, so also when the moon is full, the dress will strike violently on the glass of the case. Some is there belie- like recordings of that? That sounds fucking I crazy. I haven't found, I mean, I really didn't look too much, but like there's like, they did like a stu- like an investigation of this. Yeah. Um so some believe that the movement of the wedding dress in the glass case can be attributed to old historic floorboards being weak or loose. Others say it's nothing more than a draft. It's in a glass case. It really well, maybe if it doesn't if it doesn't have a top. But I think it's completely glassed in because they want to preserve the dress. Yeah. So like in that old 1900s era. Yeah, you know. Um, so others think, you know, this draft, but the thought I first had was like, could it be that the dress is recreating the movements of her dancing? Yes. In the moonlight? On the full moons? Yeah. Like. Yeah. That totally makes sense, right? Yeah. That's my theory. Okay. My personal theory. Does no one else have this theory? Because I I agree with you on this theory. I didn't see it anywhere else. Everyone was like, it's either these weird floorboards, a draft, or it's just a ghost. Well, it's also a ghost, but like... But I think that's what it would be, right? Like, that's what makes most logical sense to me, that it would be recreating, like, the times when she's happy and memories of the dress. Yeah. So an investigation was conducted to find out the real reason behind the movements of the dress. Cameras were aimed at the glass case and when no one was present in the museum the dress could still be seen moving oh awesome so some believe that it must be anna's spirit living within the dress or trying to get to it yeah um those same cameras also captured spectral forms of uh, and images of a bitter old woman in front of a mirror which i want to know how they found out like how they could tell that That she was bitter was bitter like, did she have, like, that resting bitch face? Yeah, like, angry resting bitch face. Probably. Um. So, also, there have been some other things that have happened at the Baker Mansion that are kind of interesting. Furniture has been spotted moving on the property, and the sound of footsteps have been heard. Oh, moving on the property? Like, across the property? Like, the ghost is like, <laughs> I'm going to rearrange this mansion? Hey, you know what? This couch would look much better on the other end of the property. Yeah, so, like, it just sort of, like, scoots its way slowly throughout the entire night across the property. <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> um, The sound of footsteps have been heard. Okay. A music box left in one of the rooms could be here... Pl- heard playing when no one else was present in the room um 
The spirit of Elias, Elias has been spotted in the dining room, and a woman in a black dress believed to be Hetty had been spotted on the third floor. Also, Anna's brother David Baker was killed in a steamboat accident in 1852. His body was stored in one of the rooms until the ground had fro- the frozen ground had thawed enough for them to give him a proper burial, and people have reported hearing screams coming from that room. Oh no. Was he not dead? I mean, he was killed in a steamboat accident. Oh, I guess he's like reliving his last moments. That's terrifying. That's horrible. So today the Baker Mansion is still open to the public. However, Anna Baker's wedding dress is no longer on a permanent display due to the deterioration caused by like exposure to the light and airborne pollutants. Yeah. Um, I think they, it, at this point in time, they should just like put it on a dummy and like see what happens. It is, I think, still like, I don't know if it's still there and it's just occasionally out, but yeah. like um, you can still tour the Baker Mansion, it looked like from what I saw. Yeah. So here's a picture of the dress. Oh, <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely an 1800s dress. It looks like a nightgown with shoulder pads. Pretty much. And big puffy sleeves. Yeah. So there's that. And then I wanted to show you what the, the mansion looked like, too. Okay. Because it l- literally looks like, like a weird coliseum Oh my type, gosh. Or a pantheon type building. Yeah, it looks like. This is crazy that this is a house and not, like, a city hall building. It looks like it should be a bank. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely very interesting. Yeah, but I guess that makes sense when I read, like, Greek Revival. I didn't think, like... Like, that they go that far? Yeah, I thought, okay, maybe, like, some Greek-looking pillars or something. But no, it looks like a a bank. bank. It looks like a bank. Yeah. That is um, Anna Baker's wedding dress, the short and interesting story. All right, are you ready for my story? I'm ready for your story. Okay, so we are in Iowa, and I am doing the Velisca Axe Murder House. Okay. Does it sound familiar to you? Yeah, I know about the Velisca Axe Murders and the house. Okay. But, like, less of the house stuff, but I know about the murders. Okay, so this is a really long and detailed true crime story that I have tried to cut down for sake of time of this episode. So um, there are plenty of podcasts that you can listen to that like give you the full in-depth detailed story um, regarding this house. But we're mostly going to try to just do a quick rundown and a quick rundown of some ghosty goos. Ready? All right. I'm excited. So located the Velisca. House is located in Montgomery County, Iowa, a town named after the Indian word Williska, which means evil spirit. Oh, we're off to a roaring start. We are, aren't we? Yeah, this is perfect. So, Villisca covers approximately four square miles, and it's pretty much a quiet little town in the middle of nowhere with a railroad depot. Tiny. So, we're going to jump right into it. On June 10th, 1912... The Moore family, they were very well-known and well-liked in the neighborhood, and two overnight guests were found murdered in their beds. So, Josiah, Sarah, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul Moore, and the two Stillinger sisters who were the guests that stayed over were murdered in their beds. 
Awful. I'm pretty sure from if remember if my memory serves me right that like they were children. Yes. Um, Josiah and Sarah are the parents, and then there are six children out of the eight people. Right, and then two of them were sisters from like another family. Yeah, yeah. So, which is awful. Yes. So that morning at approximately five a.m., Mary Peckham. The the Moore's next door neighbor went outside to hang some laundry. At seven, she was like, huh, the Moores really haven't come outside or like started doing their chores or anything. To be, f- to be fair, Mary, <laughs> I would not be up at seven. Well, this is the early 1900s. They got some farm shit to do. I'm sure. That's true. Okay. And she said that the house itself felt unusually still. Well, they also have four fucking kids. That's true. So, like, the second someone's up, it's fucking crazy in this house, I assume. Oh, I'm sure. Four kids. Yes. So, between seven and eight, uh, Mary approached the house and knocked on the door and received no response. So, after receiving no response, she decided to go let out their chickens. Oh, I mean, that's sweet of her. I know, right? She's like, you know, they're obviously... A little hungover. (laughs) Um, Let me go let their chickens out for them. Yeah, they're just like not getting around to it. Maybe the family's sick or something. Yeah. And, but she did place a call for Josiah's brother, Ross, to come over and investigate. When he opened the door, um, he ventured into the house slightly and saw two bodies on the bed. Awful. Yes. So they were the two bodies of the still... Still, Stillinger? Stillinger girls. So they were sleeping on the lower floor of the house. Um, and everyone else was upstairs. Um, he pretty much did nothing, turned around, and immediately went back outside and told Mary to call the sheriff. That's what he should do. Yep. That's exactly what he should have done. Well, are you ready for things to be not how you should do them in murder cases? <sighs> yes. So... All eight people in the home had been bludgeoned to death with an axe that was left at the crime scene. Okay. It had appeared that all victims were asleep at the time, and doctors estimate the time of death somewhere shortly after midnight. The curtains were drawn uh, on all of the windows except for two windows that were covered in the clothing of the family's belongings. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. So pretty much she's like, well, I can't close these blinds, so I'm going to just hang something up in the way. And then also at some point, the killer covered up all of the mirrors in the house with blankets and clothes. That's weird. All of the victims' faces uh, were covered in clothes as well after they were killed. And here's just like a couple of how like the crime scene was left. There was a kerosene lamp found at the foot of the bed of Josiah and Sarah. A similar lamp and the axe was found at the foot of the bed of the Stillinger girls. And the axe was still bloody, but there had been an attempt made to wipe it off. And, but the axe did belong to Josiah. So it was his axe that. So was, it was an axe from the property. Yes. Okay. Which is very interesting because it's like, was it planned? Or did this guy just pick this house and come in and found an axe and start murdering? That's more or less what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. So, the ceiling in the parents' bedrooms and the children's rooms showed gouge marks, like, on the ceiling from the upswing of the axe. That is really forceful. Yes. 
Like, probably, like, stand unless they're low ceilings, like, standing up on top of, like, the But even, bed. like, to throw the axe up so hard that there's a gouge mark? In the ceiling, like, it in hits the, the ceiling. ceiling and bounces back down? Yeah. Yeah. And still have enough force to go, to swing it down? Yeah. And not, not it getting caught in the ceiling or something? Like, that's really forceful. Yeah. There was a pan of bloody water that was discovered in the kitchen, on the kitchen table, and a plate of uneaten food. That's weird. Because, like, he made himself a meal and then was like, I don't really feel like it. But do you think he made his food before or after? Probably after. Yeah, washed his hands with a pan of water. and like, Yeah, I would think after. And then he was like, you know what? Actually, I have no appetite because I just murdered eight people. Yeah. So, and all the doors were locked. Uh, the coroner reported a slab of bacon on the floor downstairs in the downstairs bedroom lying near the axe so he just brought it with him nearly four pounds of bacon the fuck that got wrapped in a dish towel so i feel like he was just like yeah i'm gonna murder these people and then like cook some bacon up and then like maybe my way like he killed the family but didn't realize they had like guests and was like going through their pantry Oh, and he's like, oh, sweet, they have a ton of bacon. Yeah, and then noticed the other girls. Yeah. But But four pounds of bacon is a lot of fucking bacon. That's a lot of bacon. Why would you be carrying around four pounds of bacon? I don't know. So there were plenty of suspects for these murders, but a murderer was actually never convicted for it. Mm -hmm. Um, One suspect was Reverend George Kelly and was actually tried for the murders. He was a traveling minister who was in town the night of the crime. He was at the service the Moore family had attended the night before, but inexplicably left town the next morning. Yeah, that's a little suspicious. Just a little suspicious. He did also show suspicious interest in the murders, though after being in and out of trouble with the law for sending obscene material through the mail. (sighs) What was he sending through the mail? I'm assuming nudes. Nudes through the mail? I don't know. That's what I think of when I hear obscene material. I definitely think it was nudes. Or like a package of shit. They had cameras then, right? They were just... No, no. There's no cameras. In 1912? Oh, yeah. In 1912, yes. Like cameras to take nudes? Yeah. Like he had cameras, right? Yeah. But they would have been like complicated cameras, right? They wouldn't have just been like point and shoot cameras. No. Could you imagine taking news <laughs> with one of those cameras to mail Didn't it? Didn't they have, like, a really long, like, little booper thing? That, I like, think so. And then and I, it, like, was on, like, a cord so, like, you could come and you, like, pose and you hit the booper thing. Yeah, but I think it also like, took it a minute to actually take the picture. Like, you had to stay still or something for, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why a lot of pictures were blurry. exposure, yeah. So you gotta make sure your dick stays erect the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez he also had a stint in a uh, mental hospital and he was actually arrested for the murders in 1917 so he was arrested for them he was and he confessed but then recanted that confession of course he did and he did still was eventually tried and acquitted for the murders of the moore family and the stillinger girls that sucks yes but like Um, because only because most people didn't believe that he was mentally and physically capable of the murders. Okay. But like, he also covered up all the mirrors and stuff. And that was probably a thing of like, not 
wanting to see himself do it. Yeah. And, like, he also, like, covered up their faces afterwards so, like, he wouldn't have to, like, look at what he did. Right. Because he pretty much just axed them in the face. Right. But not saying that it necessarily was him, but a lot of the signs kind of look like they could be. Yeah. But, like, and then, like, there's so many weird things about, like, the way the bodies were left and that the house was left and it's a very weird one. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's so many more details that I could tell about it. But over a hundred years later, they still don't have a suspect or a convicted murderer for these killings. Wow. Um, possibly due to the officials at the time and their mismanagement of what little evidence was available. Sounds about right. So once the murderer uh, murders were discovered, news traveled quickly into town. Yep. And the neighbors became curious, and onlookers converged onto the house, and law enforcement officials quickly lost control of the crime scene. Like, how do you lose control of a crime scene? I mean, that must have been a lot of people. Like, yeah. it's a smaller town, right? So maybe they didn't have a huge police force. Yeah, and, and there they were was just like, like, stay back. And you're like, but what's going on? But there's like every like, single person in town because this is a small community and people know each other. Like, I could sort of get it in that time period and everything. But like, also, you're the police officers. Yeah. So it is said that up to 100 people walked through the house gawking at the bodies before the National Guard arrived around noon to close off the area and secure the home. Holy fuck. It's a lot. So there's, like, literally people are walking in there and touching shit and touching the bodies and, like, being upset. Moving and, things around. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a complete mess. So the house um did not sit vacant, but... um. Uh, apparently, according to Ghost Adventures, there was a family that did live in there for a little bit. Okay. But I don't have that information. So in 1994, uh, Darwin and Martha Lynn purchased the home and returned it to its original condition of the murders in June 10th, 1912. It is now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, hung up in the home, there are pictures of orbs People have taken, and even a picture of someone's back with a large scratch on it. Oh. That occurred in the home. That's some wild stuff to hang on your walls. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a museum. In well, yeah. Sort of now. But, like, <laughs> it seems so weird to just be like, yeah, I'm going to hang this up. <laughs> be like, oh, you have a cool picture? Let's just put it up on this corkboard. I love it. It's literally a corkboard. I don't. <laughs> I love it. There's nothing fancy about it. Investigators uh, have called out the children's names to turn flashlights on and off. Um, cold spots have been felt inside the house. The attic, where the murderer allegedly hid out while they waited for the family to fall asleep. Um, you can have really dark feelings while you're in the attic. And there's also a ball that can be seen moving around in the attic as well. Ooh, that's creepy. The clothing iron in the kitchen moved from the top of the stove to the middle of the floor. And the biggest thing about this place is the EVPs. Okay. EVP, EVPs have been caught mostly of all six children that had died in the house. Mostly of the children. Mostly of the children. Let me tell you, when you were on your way here, I listened to some of them. Yeah? It is creepy. Because these are like... In 
full investigations with no children on the premises at all. And the voices are so clear, like so clear that some of the investigators are reacting to the voices that they hear. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it is crazy. There has also uh, been caught the screams and cryings on EVP of the children when no one was in the house. And let me told you, I listened to this EVP. Ew. So, like, they left, like, the recorders running and they all just, like, went outside and they, like, took a break. And it's it's very long and it sounds like screams and, like, trying to, like, defend themselves kind of screams and crying. Like, and it's very disturbing to listen to. I can to imagine. Because of how clear it is. That's really crazy. Yeah. If you want to go and listen to that, um, you can Google uh, Prism Paranormal, uh, Velisca Axe Murder House, and you can find it there. But yeah, they caught some really good EVPs, and it is terrifying. Uh, I'm kind of too afraid to listen to that right now. It's too dark out for me to listen to that. <laughs> so... Uh, a closet door on the second floor opens and closes when it's asked asked to. And then here's a fun story. And by fun, I don't mean fun. Fun in a bad way. Fun in a bad way. At an investigation, someone was alone in the northwest bedroom. And the rest of the party was outside. The person who was alone ended up calling for help on the radio. And when the rest of the group arrived, they found him with a stab wound to the chest. That was apparently self-inflicted, but he literally just felt the urge to do so. What the fuck? Yes. That's wild. Yes. Um, he was uh, brought to a nearby hospital and helicoptered to Omaha. <laughs> but, so yeah, it, it's crazy. And a lot of it seems so lighthearted until I watched the Ghost Adventures episode. Mm-hmm. So... Season 4, episode 13 of Ghost Adventures, they go to this house, and literally three seconds in to this episode, they show a clip of, like, later on in the episode where Zach's just being the fucking idiot that he is. Of course. Apparently, they got the original axe from a museum, brought it into the house, and tempted the ghost to stab him with it. That's dumb. For multiple (laughs) reasons. Yes. So... The Ghost Adventures episode focuses heavily on the fact that the murderer still is in the house with all of these kids and the parents that passed away. And, like, they believe it to be very demonic. And, like, they were talking about, um, they've caught EVPs about saying that they are a legion, a legion of, like, you kill us and we'll, like, someone else will take my place kind of thing. And so a lot of the Ghost Adventures episode does focus on that. He did interview people who used to live in the house, like I said earlier on, that had grew up in the house. And both of those women had to get up and leave during the interview, like because the house was affecting them that much and all of the things that they had experienced in the house that much. I mean, it already sounds like the house would have a lot of bad dark energy just from everything that happened there yeah oh it has a ton of dark energy um so but during the ghost adventures episode they caught a ton of evps again like this building is very popular and 
For EVPs. Yes, for EVPs. That's the word. So a couple of the EVPs that they had caught during this episode was, where is she? I killed six kids. They're up around upstairs. We're going to keep them in the dark. I know. Doesn't that sound creepy? Because they don't step in heaven yet. Oh. Yeah, I I didn't watch this whole episode, but I got the, like, synopsis offline. But, and then Herman's gonna get you, which Herman is one of the children's names, I believe, if I'm correct. That's creepy, though. Yeah, Herman is one of the uh, children's names. So it's probably referring to somewhere along the lines of one of the siblings saying that, like, Maybe their brother would save them or something. Something like that, maybe. Yeah. That would make sense, because otherwise it doesn't make sense in context, but, like, that could make sense. Yeah. They also played with spirit boxes, um, where they got the names Lena and Paul, which Lena was one of the Stillinger girls, and Paul was one of the more children. They did hear noises like creeping, creaking, footsteps, and laughter. Um, So, like... A lot of some of the EVPs that I was listening to, it looks like the family is still going about their normal every day, except for like the moments where they're apparently reliving the murder. Okay, so it seems like they still maybe were, maybe they're reenacting like their days before. Yeah, or, or like the night leading. Yeah, the night leading up to it. Um, they captured. The door slamming um, and footsteps approaching before the door slammed. And they captured, supposedly, I didn't watch this, a dark mist that appeared to be following Nick around a room. Which now I have to go and finish that episode. But that's just a couple of things that had gone on during that Ghost Adventures episode. Other groups have been to it, Mm -hmm. but um, especially like the Prism group that has really good EVPs. To listen to regarding it. And I also watched a video of um, someone asking for the door to open and close. Um, The door would only open so far. um, And they kept trying to get it to open more. And then when it literally felt like you like it was a a child and you were asking too much of the child. And so the child would shut the door because like they didn't want to like it was like too much for them, you know, and then like. They'd start being like, oh, it's okay, I'm really sorry, and then the door would start opening again. That's so creepy, but, like, it would make sense. There were six children murdered in this house. Yeah, and I I didn't have all of the, I didn't keep all of the ages, but I think the youngest was five that was murdered in the house. So there is a movie called Haunting Velisca from 2006. It is rated 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And apparently you could just watch the whole thing on YouTube. Oh. So that's fun. Is it about the hauntings or the murders? I don't know. That's That would be interesting In to know. general? I'm going to go with in general. Maybe gen- maybe both? Yeah. There have also been books um, that include Velisca, a true account of the unsolved mass murder that stunned a nation by Roy Marshall. That's a really long working... I feel like that should be a working title and not, like, the yeah. actual title. Yeah, I feel like that's a really long. <laughs> and The Morning Ran Red is uh, a book by Stephen Bowman. 
It's a lot shorter of a title. It is. I like it better. Yeah. Um. Also, one thing I learned during the Ghost Adventures episode, apparently this happened within a couple of months of the Titanic. Yeah. So a That's... couple of months of the Titanic happening. I don't know what exactly when the Devin, when did the Titanic happen? And so apparently, according to one of the historians that uh, Zach talked to in the Ghost Adventures episode, it had become such this murder had become such national news that it took all of the Titanic like news off the front page of newspapers around the country. The Titanic happened um, April fourteenth, nineteen twelve. Okay. And this so happened, ju- what, June 10th? Yeah. So it was just a couple of months prior to it. So, um, so they are, there are daytime tours that are held at the house, uh, Tuesdays through Sundays. So they take off Mondays like a nice hair salon. Um, <laughs> and between 1 and 3, 1 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. There are no pre-bookings required. Tours are $10 for adults and 5 for children and seniors. Or you can book an overnight stay from what I saw about $420. I don't think I'd want to stay overnight. Why not? I'm really... Afraid you'll get axe murdered? I could not stay overnight. It would be too much. Yeah. But that is the Velisca Axe Murder House. Haunting. Wow. <laughs> it's such a dark story to begin with because it is an unsolved murder. Yeah. And like, there are so many more details that like I left out, but like, I also wanted to leave it in. So like, I, as you were on your way here, I was like cutting things out that I didn't feel like I really needed to keep in. Well, you just need to go over it quickly. So like what we know. Yeah. So like, we know the history of why this place is haunted, which is awful. Yeah. But Wow. We did it. We did it. We did a recording. Hopefully we can get it edited tonight. Wish Jesse luck. Yeah. Wish me luck. So that will do it for us this week. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We still haven't heard anything about Pandora, but we'll hopefully be there soon. So, but you can also find us on social media at... You can find us on Twitter at the MFCast at Instagram, Marble Forest Podcast. And you can send us your personal stories to marbleforestpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on facebook.com slash marbleforestpodcast. And we'd like to give a special thanks to Jenna, who did our logo. You can find her on Instagram and Etsy at Agenda. Uh, Cameron, who did our music. Uh and Devin, who sits with us and is currently recording for us because Amber's laptop issue. And Theo for being such a good boy after I pretty much clipped off one of his toenails. Poor baby. Look how sleepy he is. I love him. He's been a good boy. He learned to be a good boy. He's so sweet. And uh, that's it. That's it. And uh, don't have fate. By eating your friends' livestock. Ooh. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>